This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to another episode of the One Was Had a Dream podcast. My name is Lee Finch, and as ever, I am joined by Danny Baker. Uh, we've got a special guest on the show, which is Andy Brazel. Uh, and he is a, if you didn't know, he is a European football expert, uh, a presenter on the Football Ramble podcast, a talk sport expert as well, uh, and everything football. And he's a massive Wimbledon fan, and he'll be joining us shortly. Uh, but Danny, how are we? We good? I'm absolutely wicked, mate. Mate, you doing all right? Is it? Is it? Is it got any warmer down where you are? Oh uh, well, I live in Southend, which is uh, we have our own uh, what's it called uh, climate down here. We're one of the oh, warmest really? places okay. in the country because we are where we are on the, on the Thames Estuary. Of it course, brings, yeah. It brings all the bad weather across the Estuary and Kent, which oh, I love that. Go, one, yeah. So it was, it was a bit of a touch this morning. It was quite nice not having Southend. The Southend's Essex, isn't it? Is it yes. the Essex Riviera down in Southend? Is it? Well, yeah, it's it's the most beautiful part of Essex Southend. So, do you know what I mean? There's well, the only question part. I was going to ask today. Is football getting a bit too complicated? And the reason why I'm saying is that the beautiful game is the beautiful game because jumpers for goalposts, you get a ball and you play. Now, looking at Ref Watch on Sky and, and all the other places, with VAR, with random offside decisions, with lots of interpreting the rules, or interpreting if you like, is has the game just become too complicated or does, did it need to get to that point? That's no, my question. It's, it's, it is too We spoke about this last week with regards to offsides. Does anyone know what offside is anymore with the Rashford goal? Uh, well, not the, sorry, Bruno Fernandes goal for Man U where Rashford was side. It should have been offside if it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? There's loads of cases of that now. Uh, yeah, football for me has got too complicated. If you look now as well, uh, FIFA or Chelsea have done the financial fair play where they've got that little rule they kind of bent to get people on eight-year contracts, meaning they don't full play of it. They're now going to clamp down on that after that's already happened. Do you know what I mean? It's just getting, yeah. it's getting, I think if you've got, 
shed loads of money to spend why can't you spend it it's like having a millionaire next to you you can't you, you can't tell him to buy a house because he's you know what i mean it's not fair for the street for the rest of you i think it's just yeah football's just i mean i love the game right we love football and i love watching it but it just this it just seems to be such a lack of flow in a lot of the football matches it's quite rare to watch like an end-to-end it's the referee just letting the game go there's so many stops and starts and i just feel like if there was a way of simplifying it or making our world a bit easier, maybe the spectacle would be better. I don't know. I, I think, again, it's great that we're going to be speaking to Andy because, again, he is a European football expert. I like my European football myself. I go out to watch a lot of European football. And I find watching European football is a lot simpler for, and well, I can't even pronounce it, a lot better and a lot easier to watch than it is watching the English game at the moment, as you said. But it is, I think football is becoming too complicated. The contracts, you know what I mean? Players leaving. I, I don't like the modern game, as people know, the sanitizer of football now. Do you know what I mean? We got told what songs we shouldn't be singing and stuff like that. The the use of flares and stuff, which I kind of get. There's a safety element behind that. But again, if you watch a lot of European football, they do it safely and stuff like that. Uh, I just find, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just... It's it's a bit I don't know it's hard. It's Should we ask our guest? He's the, he's the yes. European expert for God's he's, sake. He's a football expert, so yeah. Andy, what do you think? Is football getting too complicated? Um, I, I could have lived. Firstly, thanks for having me on, fellas. Um, secondly, um, I, I could have lived without VAR coming in at all. To be really perfectly honest, yeah, I could. Um, it, it, it feels it feels to me. I, I know this is a bit like a turkey voting for Christmas, but I, it, it feels TV driven rather than necessarily supporter driven I, I think from the off the whole problem with var is that it very little thought was put into what sort of experience there it, it was for the fans who are in the stadium and that to me is a, is a massive issue because as if covid's taught us anything it's that the fans in the stadium are absolutely vital even if only to the tv spectacle if you're looking at it from a tv perspective yeah no i agree and i think the problem with VAR is it worked so well. I think, was it in the World Cup or the European Championship before they brought into English football? So it worked really well. Everyone thought, oh, this is how we're going to have it here. And we said last week, if you look at the World Cup just gone, it worked actually quite well because all the officials were all down the same line. They were all, they knew what the rules were. They, I mean, they knew what VAR was. Where here, it just seems like there's a different VAR official and it's all uh, depending on what they see and what how they feel it's going to be. It's like us four here now, could, or us three, sorry, could be watching a game and we see things as a yellow card, but Andy, you say, no, I don't think, yeah. I think that was just a normal tag. And it's, it's just how they feel at the game. And, and, and what I don't get as well is why we don't get more ex-footballers involved in VAR uh, and, and, and involved in that side of it as well. I mean... I've never, oh, I'm, I mean, cat out of the bag here. I've never been to a football match with VAR at it. I've never, ever been. I don't know if you have, Lee. I'm sure you have, Andy. What is the, yeah. is the, is, is the supporter experience? Because for me, from what I see, an incident happens. No one in the ground has got any idea what the hell is going on. There's like a void and then a decision is made. Now, like you said, Andy, it's not, it can't be a great thing for fans, but... It, it, you know, I, I'm a I'm a huge cricket fan. You put, it's on the screen. You can watch it live. I don't quite understand why there isn't that. Let's bring the supporters in on the journey. I guess it's a slight prejudice against football supporters. I think a, a lot of people in the authorities think that supporters can't handle it and they'd misbehave if if, if that came up, which I think is is quite unreasonable. But I think it's evolved a little bit, so it will tell you on the screen the issue that's being examined. But, you know, I think of 
going to Tottenham and um, earlier this season and a Harry Kane um, potential winner against Sporting being ruled out after, you know, it was, it was incredibly deflating uh, for the Tottenham friends I was with because, you know, they go crazy thinking they've scored a last minute winner. Yeah. And, um, you know, I realise that's a lot of English people's problem with it. The fact that it sort of kills that spontaneity. But the, the fact that they were pouring over it for, I think, three and a half, four minutes. I mean, the first time I, I regularly saw VAR being used in live football, I was out in Turkey uh, recording some shows there and I did a couple of matches there. And it meant seven minutes of stoppage time at the end of every half. And I thought, and life's too short for this. I don't even care if they get it right <laughs> in the end. Just can we all go home and get on with our with our lives? I think going back to what I said originally, the big problem I have with VAR, I think it's led to just really the distrust of officials. I, I think that's got worse and worse. And I think really people who don't go to football, and there are a lot of people who don't go to football because well, it's bloody expensive, especially in mm, England. Yeah, and, really you know, e even down at our level, I know people talk yeah. about the, the the Premier League being expensive. It is exp expensive in, in League Two and the National League as as well. And, you know, you could say that's a, <coughs> a cornerstone of British life. Everything's a bit overpriced. But on, on the other hand, um, I, I think we've, like a lot of people, completely forget what a live football experience is about. So not just from the fans having to put up with waiting about for three and a half, four minutes for a decision to be taken, which is absolutely unacceptable. But people who watch pe football on TV all the time have no idea how difficult it is for a referee. And yeah. I think that it goes from the referee is wrong to the referee is an idiot to the referee is corrupt way too quickly from people who just really don't understand what it's all about. Yeah, and I, that's my thing with it as well, is that it takes the on-field decisions away from the referees now. So the referees are like, well, if I make a mistake here, I'm just going to go to VAR anyway. It can just, VAR will look at it. Do you know what I mean? So they're kind of, it's, I think they should be looking at the monitors a lot more, uh, especially with the Rashford one. I don't know why they didn't say to the ref, go and have a look at it and deem if you think he was interfering as you're that match <laughs> official, it now comes down to your decision, which I think that's what it should be, which I believe it is being taken away from the actual officials on the day. And the, the worst one is the FA Cup, not having one every single game. Like, if you can't have it in every single game, don't yeah, have it. You can't exactly. make a good game. I just remember so many games where it's like I used to, used to drive around with the League Cup. It was like, you win on the night, you win on the night, semi-final, two legs. Like, what? What's that about? It should be the game when you buy into, you know, you buy into at the beginning, you get to the end. But anyway, so it's, we've been talking about live public experiences, Andy. No Wimbledon game. What on earth are you doing? Are you... Are you <laughs> Walking the dogs? Are you finding a local game? You know, game got called off on Saturday. Good game got called off tonight. What are you doing? I tell you, it's much warmer up here in the northeast. If it was at St James's Park, we'd be playing Walsall tonight at a very <laughs> empty St James's Park. Obviously, I'm not sure how, how many people in Newcastle would want to watch uh, Wimbledon versus Walsall on a on on a Tuesday night. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's disappointing because now, like with uh, living up north and with working, uh, like Wimbledon is. It's a real treat for me. I think it's probably why I get less angry about a lot of Wimbledon-related stuff than a lot of people. Because when I'm at Plough Lane, I'm st still feeling that, oh my God, it's actual Plough Lane. It's actual us in Plough Lane. And I, I guess I've probably been about, what, 10, 15 times so far? And it still feels... It still wow. feels magical. Honestly, I, I still feel like when I was first going to the football as a kid, and that's, that's, that's a pretty great thing. 
So talk us through your Wimbledon journey then briefly. So you said you're sporting football as a kid. Have you always been a Wimbledon supporter or has it just yes. been? Oh, wow. Yes. So go uh, on, talk us through. Go, 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 give us a yarn. So, well, I've, I've supported Wimbledon since the 80s. So um, basically when I was at school and I started getting into football when I was, I guess, about eight, seven or eight, everyone in my class was either a Liverpool because they were amazing at the time or a Man United fan maybe a few Arsenal in there and I thought no no I'm I'm not doing any of that I want to uh, support club who I can go and see every so often who I can you know have a connection with and um, so I started supporting Wimbledon because I'd, I'd read about them in the newspapers wasn't far from where I lived in, in 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 South London and you know I poured over football news in the newspapers when I was like eight or, or nine and obviously match and shoot as well but Wimbledon coming up the leagues just really like caught my imagination so I guess I would I've said I was a supporter from about sort of, I guess about 84, 85-ish, just when we're um, on the cusp of getting in the old first division for the first time. Um, But I I could never go from that point because my dad worked Saturdays and then my dad was out of work for a bit, so he couldn't afford to go. And then he got a job where he didn't work Saturdays and we obviously had like some money again. Um, And uh, so the first game I went to was August 87 where we played Everton who were then champions that's right in the week that Frank Lampard got sacked (laughs) Everton as champions and um, Alan Cork scored Um, the food was bad the plough lane was just old plough lane it was amazing and um, yeah I think I only missed a couple of home games that season actually when they were on consecutive weeks I couldn't afford to go on consecutive weeks so for example made the very bad decision to um, sack off the cup game against West Brom and go to Watford in the league, which was the first one we lost for ages. They got relegated that season and we lost at home to them, which was really annoying. Because in that season, we we beat um, we beat uh, Arsenal, we beat United, we drew with that incredible Liverpool team, yeah. we hammered Spurs, and of course we won the FA Cup at, at the end of it. And, you know, when, when you're there and you're 11, you're thinking, oh yeah, it'd be brilliant. Like when we go on and, you know, win a succession of first division championships you know we'll think of this as the starting point um you know i wish it had happened a little bit later so i could have appreciated yeah, it a yeah. little she bit actually more. understood what the hell was going on yeah i know exactly yeah. what i mean yeah but that's what i was because obviously when we won the fa cup we obviously didn't get into europe and as we said before you're you're clued up on your european football and stuff i think that's one of the biggest Mr. that we've ever had is that we never got to play in Europe because I it's really do think I think how do you think we'd have got on Andy do you think we'd have done rightly as well do you think we'd actually would have done alright in Europe oh I, I think we would have smashed teams all over the place in Europe I think they wouldn't have known what hit them at that time when the crazy game was in full flow imagine boom, boom, boom box at, at, at the San Siro and stuff <laughs> like that I can just can you imagine Real Madrid coming to Plough Lane and, well, it would have probably would have been Sellers then as well we probably would have had to play but uh, yeah, it would have just been. I think it would have been a met. Like one of my best football in watching Wimbledon was when we went to Frankfurt and we went to Offenbach in the preseason yeah. not long ago, yeah. and it was just amazing being in a European city watching your club and the fact that Wimbledon never got there. It just, I think, is gut. How do you think we would have done? I think we would have done all right, Andy. I really do. Yeah, I, I think people would have found it very, very difficult to to handle, indeed. Um, but you know, you think that when. English clubs were banned from from Europe. Uh, they were kind of at the peak of their powers in, mm. in, 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 a, in a certain way. So, yeah, it would have been really, really fascinating to to, to see. I, I still have 
occasional thoughts. You know, like when we were um, heavily linked with uh, Gabriel Batistuta as a sort of sweetener <laughs> no. for for leaving for leaving Plough Lane Fear. and going to Selhurst <laughs> Park. You know, that was that was meant to sort of soothe us. I, he ended up choosing Fiorentina. I don't know why. But, yeah. um, Can you imagine yeah. that Battish shooter for Dean Holdsworth in shock horror swap? That would have been absolutely... <laughs> Gary Blissett chucked in as a sweet. I, I think I would have preferred Dean Holdsworth. So in yeah. terms of where we're at now, Andy, in terms of um, the Super Wombles, give us a lowdown season, squad. Where do you think we're at as a club at the minute? Uh, well, I, I, I want to know what you guys think, actually, because you will see Wimbledon more often than me with work and physical distance. I don't get to see them as often as I, I might do. I, I probably in person, I get to about eight games a season. I okay. get to see get to see quite a lot on the eye follow as 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 well, um, in, increasingly so. I find it harder to stay away. I, it's, it's funny. I, I felt like this when we got relegated from the Premier League in 2000 just before the mk stuff i felt myself get behind the club even more and i've felt that this season actually i've I felt that i can't get enough of of wimbledon this season it's a weird thing to say especially after the way that last season ended yeah, like not definitely. winning in, in in 27 but it's like right we're gonna we're gonna come back wimbledon don't give up this is this is where we start again and honestly like i said i'm maybe slightly less angry about things than people who spend their hard-earned on going to every single game uh, but I do feel that this season's been pretty positive so far not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but like after the back end of last season honestly I'm just grateful to see us win some games mm. um, I'm sure we'll talk about Ayi Basal in a minute but I have to say I've enjoyed not just him playing really well and scoring goals but absolutely shit-housing opposition supporters has been really joyful. That and Harry Pell, of course, doing yeah. what 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 he does is 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 pretty is pretty fantastic. And the fact that we're finally at a point, like twenty years into AFC Wimbledon, where we can prolifically produce players of quality, which to me feels like the Wimbledon that I grew up with when I was yeah. like ten or eleven. You know, it was always a huge part of Wimbledon that we you know plow lane limited us now this current incarnation of plow lane doesn't have to limit us and there's room for expansion and all that sort of stuff but you know really we were forced to grow and sell players back then in in, in the 80s and now while we're self-funding and you know who knows what the f- future supporters will think in terms of the ownership model we'll, we'll have to wait and see but um i, I personally obviously hope that um it, it, it maintains it as, as it is but you know we've got to find ways to to be creative and that, that that to me is the wimbledon spirit you know home growing being creative looking to do things a little differently and, and that feels good to me that you have um you have Haas and and jack curry and uh, and before that i've in, in in the team no, I I totally agree, and I think we need to look at the positives a lot more. I, I'm very, I'm I'm one of these people that can be very negative and very fickle. Really, with regards to <laughs> to Wimbledon, yeah, and... hold the back page, mate. <laughs> and but I agree with what you said. When you think we've just we had a goalkeeper that came through our ranks has just been sold to Bruges for half a million pounds. Mm. Uh, we had uh, Jack Redoni before a sale that went for. 800 grand, I believe that that's the figure that was touted around. We've got Billar and Curry who look just unbelievable at the moment in League Two, and I think they could step up. Uh, we've got other players coming through the ranks in uh, Morgan, 
uh, Bendel, place, people like that who are coming through that we we are, I agree with. We have to look at that model. That is our model at the moment that we have to sell uh, and get people like Josh Davison in. Ali's come in now as two permanent. As I agree with what you said, Andy. I don't think it's been perfect. I think Johnny Jackson was a bit naive when he first came in as a League Two manager. He thought he could bring in the Gunters, the Pierces, Brown, things like that. Haven't really worked. And it actually has been our youth players, the, the Curries and stuff, and Paul Calambayes who've, who've come to the front uh, and worked for him. And he's found formations and stuff. And I think he's learning on the job. Uh, January is a big window for him, especially as we are going to be losing a sale uh, and how we invest that money. I think the best thing we could do is just see where we go from here and hopefully invest it in the summer uh, pretty well because a lot of players, I think Gunter might retire at the end of the season. I think Pierce yeah. might go. And we'll have some good wages coming back from them with some good money from a sale. So, talking of Callum Bay, actually, amongst those um, youth products, uh, maybe you can tell me, uh, Lee and Danny, I have a feeling that the Callum Bay song, you know, to Backstreet's Back, was invented at Ipswich Away. Ipswich Away. A couple Ipswich of years Away. Ago. It's one of my right? friends. Because, yeah. Really? Because because I was I was at that game. Remember, there was that massive queue to to get in and it was cash only which seemed really anachronistic even even then it was, it was 27 <laughs> quid switch yeah exactly <laughs> 27 quid to get in i paid 25 because they've run out of change and <laughs> um yeah i i, I wanted to know whether that it, it felt it, it had the feeling of a song that was being made up on the spot but i love that still it was my it was one of my friends richard uh titch he loved this he, he's gonna <laughs> he's got a big enough head anyway but yeah he'll he'll, he'll love the fact that you brought it up but yeah it was his song he might i think they they'd gone down to the uh what is it the marina in ipswich and they got there quite early so they'd been there all day working on that and that song and then which <laughs> way was when they yeah they they first bought it out and it uh kind of taken off since then so i think yeah. that's one of the best things though about about being a wimbledon fan and we talk a lot about it and like i said we you know on this on this podcast we sort of undulate between the positive the negative the ups and downs and we as hopefully for anyone who listens you kind of feel that we're just two fans literally sitting in our rooms i mean <laughs> i'm still in my my work gear lee's got his stupid hat on and he looks horrendously well beautifully splendid and we look horrendous but in general it's just that those sort of we're kind of big enough that we feel like we're punching a little bit now but we still have got that relatively small tight community where we kind of we know the random bloke we see we know the 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 songs we know the little in stories the little funny bits and pieces and i guess it's just that it's that always going to be that delicate balance between growing big and being being become the monster getting bigger but we kind of slowly but surely kind of drift apart a little bit to 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 welcome in others or whether you keep that sort of small tight-knit group which everyone loves and you know that bloke over there every away game if i could go on my own and go with 10 people and i have the same experience because you kind of Mm. it's a nod to that bloke it's that experience there i saw you were here or it just i guess it's always going to be that sort of quandary do you get bigger and you lose a little bit of that connectivity because i always find that when i went to the emirates when i was watching staff or watching premier league football at times you go and watch opposition teams and it's too fragmented there's just too many people or you've got the guys who are hardcore and in between them is a family who come for their once a once a season game which is fantastic and it's that balance between keeping the community really thick and strong and having that feeling like it's a fortress but also welcoming new fans i guess it's that it's that evolution that gentle the gentle growth which is what we're after but 
it, so far, planning has been great. We've managed to get rid of the voodoo of it. And it is lovely to actually go to a football season and feel like a game you can turn up, you might actually win it rather than, oh, on how many are we going to nick a 1-1 draw here away in, the, you know, in the chucking down rain? Dan, what, what I love most about it is when I go on Twitter, the other day I see loads of fans giving Plough Lane a bit of stick, saying it's like a Lego stadium and it's not very nice. And these were Stevenage fans, Gillingham fans, giving our, our stadium stick, which I love because... It's Plough Lane, and as as Andy said earlier, I still get the the goosebumps when I walk up the road. And I I, I said to one of my mates the other day when we walk up, what I love is that the fact that you can't see a stadium there, you just see loads of flats, and then boom, you've got the Wimbledon crest, and then yeah. you're in Plough Lane. I I love it. I, I as I said, there is some things that are the wrong that that are being improved. Danny Macklin's coming, and and hopefully going to get stuff done. But yeah, I still love the fact that we got Plough Lane, and every time you go there, it's our stadium. And again, as as Andy said, with shit hours. I love the fact that fans hate, don't like it. Do you know what I mean? They're not there to like it. It's our stadium. It's what we built. And if they don't like it, I don't care. Uh, that's I, I totally agree with that, Lee. And I think that is a real positive from this season. The amount of opposition fans on Twitter and message boards who've complained about Wimbledon when we've been in our good run. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't yes. that feel old fashioned? Say so they're the worst team we played this season. I'm like, oh yeah. It's, but you're on. right, Andy. Is, it, the, the, these, 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 this is like performance enhancing drugs to me. Come we've on, we've gone come from on. being like the team that everybody hates in the Premier League, and oh bloody Wimbledon, just bugger off. They've ripped the things yeah. up in front of to all of us. Also, all, all of a sudden becoming a team that everyone's kind of, you know, almost, almost, you know, they're my second team or I look out for their yeah. results. It's quite yeah. a weird sort of transition of course it's sort of taking its journey but to go from god bloody hell Wimbledon they're rubbish they just chuck it up in the air the pitch is crap they've got no fans to actually they're kind of this cute little London club that everyone kind of likes it's a weird evolution it is is so weird Danny and I I think the thing that really struck me because like when AFC Wimbledon were founded I, I was in my 20s and I remember like taking the train from uh, Clapham Junction through to Norbiton. And it's interesting talking about like different generations and how they might see the club and the future of the club differently and all that sort of stuff. I remember that the, the first time hearing people a- around me who were like maybe 10 years younger, teenagers saying, well, you know, that they, they would maybe support a Premier League club and Wimbledon would be their, you know, their, their, their game that they could get into for a reasonable amount of money. And the way that Wimbledon fans, whether they were or, or or younger Wimbledon fans, whether they were or weren't fans of Premier League clubs, the way they have that kind of we are the Man United of non-league attitude and they're just like, you know, slag other teams off for having no fans and having shit stadiums. And I'm like, what? That, that always <laughs> happened to us. Yeah. You know, us being like, really big bollocks and i kind of i kind of wonder like you know if that has an effect on people's even even more like experienced or long-standing fans expectations nowadays that because we plowed through the leagues at such a a rate of knots at the start it becomes like difficult to accept that you have a a natural ceiling doesn't it yeah, and I, I speak to but my boy, he's 13, he loves it. We go most games, I took him up to Hartlepool oh, cool. this year. Uh, and I try to explain to him that a few when when I was sporting Women in FC and when I first started going, 
there'd only be about 100 people going up to Hartlepool. There wouldn't yeah. be many people. Now, we're selling out Leighton Orient within a week. I'm, mm. I can't get two tickets. I need two tickets for it. Danny, I know Danny does. There's so many people that can't get tickets to go to Orient now. Uh, we sold 1,500 within, what, seven days, which is, uh, we would never have done that as Wimbledon FC. I don't think we, we would have sold it. We never. I went to West Ham once when we never even sold out the away end. And that's just yeah. the district line derby, as they used to call it. Like Now, we're taking... 500 to Hartlepool away on the first like away game of the season. We're taking thousands to, we'll, we'll sell out Gillingham now. And I just think that's how, what we're doing within the community. And I, I do give the, the, the people that do that. There's a guy called Dom that goes around and puts posters up and stuff. Mm. I give them so much credit because they are raising our profile that people go, I don't want to go watch Chelsea. Like you said, when you were growing up, mm. it was Chelsea. It was Man U, it was Liverpool. Actually, I'm going to go watch a team on my doorstep. There was a load of Irish guys at Bra in Bradford uh, when we went Bradford at home last game. Mm. And we were with a load of Bradford fans because we know them quite well. A load of Irish fans. They were they were sporting Man United in a pub against Man City. But they went and watched Wimbledon and they got right involved in it. They sat near us. They were singing. They were loving it. They were giving it to the Brad. And it was, it's mm. just, that would be people that might go, actually, I used to support Man United. I'm a Wimbledon fan now. And their kids will be a Wimbledon fan and stuff. And that's what I love most about it. Well, that, that's the funny thing, isn't it? When people talk about the the the, the three p.m. blackout, and um, you know that it it needs to be kept going to um, protect lower league clubs, I'm really not convinced it does. And I know there'll be a lot of Wimbledon fans that disagree with me there, but to me, I, I think that football is really bad, and the European Super League is part of this. Football is really bad for having old guys telling kids how they watch football. It's like mm. kids haven't got the attention span these days, you know, that they want something shorter. They want something more exciting. And it's like Florentino Perez, a like man in his 70s, like telling children or uh, and, and, and teenagers how they enjoy football. How would you know? You've absolutely no idea. And what I think is it's, it's quite insulting to kids to think that they wouldn't know the difference between watching football on the telly and going to a game. If, if my two go to a game, they're, they're engaged. They know it's totally different. You know, it's, it's something that's a whole different experience. And as I said, unfortunately, because of prices, we've, we've created a generation really where it's far, far more difficult to, to actually go and see your local team. But, you know, if, if football's on telly, they, they can take it or leave it. They'll be yeah. in the mood for it sometimes or they'd rather watch their own telly sometimes. But, you know, if they're in the stadium, you know, I think when I've taken my, uh, my younger one, my nine-year-old to, to Plough Lane, he gets there, he sits in his seat, unprompted, um, complains about the other team cheating, uh, <laughs> complains about the ref, like he's an old man. You know, Well trained, well trained. I, I've not even had to do it. It's natural, Danny. But, <laughs> and I think that's spot on regarding pricing. We've got to price it, but I believe English football's got to be priced better. The Man U's, Chelsea, they can do it because they know if a thousand people didn't turn up, they'll have a thousand tourists turn up that <laughs> week. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. But but we are doing stuff like Danny Macklin's doing stuff with Stockport on Saturday is £5 a ticket wherever yeah, you good. sit. £5 yeah. a ticket, no matter. And I know Lauren have done that this season. Uh, I give Gillingham again, they're away and it's horrendous, but under 14s get in for free if they're going with an adult. Mm. So that means that more kids are going to go watch it. And under 14 and under is quite a good age to, to mm. get a free ticket for. Definitely, so I think that yeah. we, we, the, the clubs have to do things like that. And they, 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 as long as they do it. And it's not even the product on the pitch for me because you can watch premiership football and it'd be dire. There was three nil nils the other week on sky. I think the other day there was nil nils yeah. and they were horrendous games. The only one that saved it was the Arsenal man U game. And Wimbledon can be the same. One week you can turn up, it'd be an amazing game of football. The next week it's awful. 
but what we do at Plough Lane, I think we the fans area, the, the Hayden, the Womble going around, the the, the the food on offer, that's that's where you get people in and they they stay, especially where we are in Wimbledon. Mm. It is an affluent area and we talk about prices and stuff. Most people in that area are not really that bothered about paying twenty five quid to go watch a watch a league game as long as they're getting a nice mm. pizza and a nice atmosphere and that's then upsets the other fans who want to sing the the South London and the Champagne song. But it's a trying to find that balance, I think, at Wimbledon at the moment. Yeah. Well, talking of prices, Lee, should we move on to the prices right? A Ubersal edition. Should we have a chat about him? See where well, he's at? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, because it's it's a strange one for me, because we still haven't announced that he's left. And I think Graham Stacy put a thread on the other day regarding possibility the reason why. The they the club he's going to our wacker or something like that I can't but I don't know you know around him apparently yeah maybe have put a bid in at the first of January or even put a down payment on him or paid the full amount on him straight away and the whatever his release clause was but he can't sign for a team in Qatar because you can't you have to be twenty one to be play professional football in Qatar otherwise it's against the law okay which I thought was quite mad but. Wolves out there are just mad anyway. But yeah, so I just I don't get why it hasn't been announced yet. But apparently it's thirty between thirty-five and forty grand a week, tax free. That's what he's Whoa. gonna be earning. Which you you can't blame him for taking his family to Qatar. But and in my question to you, and we said this do you think this now will be a precedence for other footballers saying to their agents, I I've seen what's going on with uh, Saudi Arabia with uh, Ronaldo. We said Modric is now the next one, apparently going to be going there with a year left on his contract. Well, Nightingale rumoured as well. But yeah, <laughs> do, do you think this will now, well, with Vassal going, are you gutted obviously to see him go? But do you think this yes. will now lead a door for players to be going to Middle East? I, Lee, I am sad to see him go. Um, but I, like from right when Robbo gave him his his first proper run in the team, it, it was clear he wasn't going to be staying forever. I, I feel lucky we've we've had him for a while and he, he's he's been really good. Um, he's been really implicated. I think he cares. I know some people get annoyed with him being a bit of a brat sometimes, but I, I love that part of his personality. I, I, I love yep. I love the fact that he's he's a he's a flair player who will not accept being kicked about. And um, you know, is is ten bookings a season for petulance? Bring it on! I, I think it's part of the entertainment. It's part of the the Ayu Basal brand. Um, in terms of players going over, um, I, I mean, it's it's almost without precedent, isn't it? That this sort of deal for a player who, much as we love him, great as he is, yeah, an unproven at the top level League Two player, it's it's remarkable. So yeah, if if and when this gets completed, um it would not surprise me to have other players because football is a small community. Footballers are, are a small community. Yes. So definitely people will be talking about it. His mates and their mates will be, will be talking about what Abe's getting. I've absolutely no doubt about that, but I think we have to make a bit of a definition between um, Saudi and, and, and Qatar because Saudi are in the process of trying to buy football at the moment. You know, you look at last week where we had not just that, absolutely pathetic friendly between um yeah what Saudi was that that PSG. was pathetic that was it, absolutely nonsense it was ludicrous the third most important game in saudi that week because of course they had the copper yeah. Uh, yeah the spanish supercopper and the italian supercopper as, as 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 well um but you look at that and they are going all out to buy big stars i mean you look at some of the other players that ronaldo is is playing with al, al nasser is is mad they they're stacked with like top quality extremely expensive 
foreigners that they're, they're obviously going for the world cup in, in in 2030 whereas qatar have had the world cup so they're moving past that but their whole thing now is about player development so in that sense like i think asal fits the bill because you know they're looking at developing qatari superstars now and they're yeah. looking at um the academy system which have worked really hard on um the qsi who um own psg they've gone and bought a big chunk of braga in portugal because um not because they're the biggest club there but you know they consistently finish quite high but because they have a decent academy so uh, and I, I think to have that sort of concentration of of, of quality young footballers from all over the world is is where they're at whereas saudi which actually has got a deeper football culture. I mean, we, we saw that from, you know, how many World Cups they've been in and the contribution that their fans made to the World Cup. I was out there in Qatar for a bit. They were amazing, the, the, the Saudi fans. And you've got to separate the, the Saudi fans from the, the, the Saudi state. They seem to be doing a, a, a Chinese Super League and, and trying to buy everything. Whereas I think Qatar are looking at a little bit differently now. Do we, I've got a slightly different view on this. Is this actually a really, is this a good move for us now? I mean, the money situation I get, right? And he's going to earn a lot of money. And there's no arguments on that. But from a foot, from a, a a simple footballing perspective, was this the right move for him? Now, he was going to get a load of money. But I'm just thinking the fact that he's going to now be over in wherever he's going to be playing for Al-Wakra. In terms of the, the spotlight that he would get there, as opposed to the championship, where I think he probably could have got low championship, maybe high in League One. I'm also thinking about the fact of, the next club. So he, he if he's in the plan for, for Al Wakra for the next two years, his next move, you would think he would probably want to get to most footballers want to get to Europe, don't they? I feel I feel like the the Saudi and, and the Qatar project, which I'm going to call them, is kind of aiming for the absolute high end superstar bits, trying to get younger players in. I just wonder from a footballing perspective, for him to become a better footballer and for his career, my two questions are one. Is this the best footballing move for us, Al? And two, was million was one million pounds for him, which is probably the rumoured amount, considering the likelihood of a relatively low sell-on that we'll get any kind of sell-on from it. Is this actually a good move for us, Al? Lee, what do you reckon? Uh, no, I don't think for a footballing uh, sense, it's it's not a good move for him. Obviously, money-wise, yeah, we've, we've talked about that. He's going to be earning, what, tax-free money. As I said, 35, 40 grand a week is just mad. Mm. Footballing-wise, I'd, I'd preferred him to go on to the championship or higher, but just shows there probably isn't many of them clubs looking at him thinking, yeah, we're going to spend a million pounds on this player. Not many League 2 players leave for a million pounds unless you're going to somewhere like Peterborough. And, and you've been established, as Andy said earlier, he's, he's relatively raw to, to football. With what He had one, mm. one and a half seasons in League One. He's only had this half season in League Two. I, I just think he's, I, I don't know, if he goes and smashes it for two, three years in Qatar, where is his next move? Does he then get a European club or does he come back to England and then does he then sign for a, a championship club there? I don't know, Andy. Would you? I mean, is this a risky move? Do you think, Andy, is this a risky move for him? Or is this, do you know what, for forty grand a week, no worries. Uh, yeah, I, I, th I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. I, I, th I think it has to be, and it, it opens up, I think, new horizons to him as well. I mean, if you're looking to climb the league ladder, the EFL league ladder, as as, as high as you can go, then maybe. Bolton's your logical next step, presuming that that was the yeah. most likely move otherwise. But 
I can I can understand that there's there's a lot more appealing to go and play in Qatar. We'll play against other top pros. There's there's yeah. there's no doubt about it. Um, rather than rather than slogging it out in 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 League One or the Champo, I I, I just think when you look at that. I think Ali Maxwell from the Not the Top Twenty pod, who comes to watch Wimbledon um, sometimes because he, yeah. he, he lives locally, put it to me when when we had Rudoni and, and Asal, and he was he was saying which one would you? He was saying to me which one would you rather leave? And I was like, well, I, I, I don't know. Like I feel you could cash in more on Asal. Like Rudoni's more of a sure thing. Yeah, you know, agreed. He, he's someone who's going to play like 300, 400 league games, no problem. If he yeah. if he doesn't get injured at a pretty high level, I would say Asal's got rougher edges, isn't he? Yeah, well, the, the thing is, Asal, I think Ali put it really well. He says, Asal's got a higher ceiling, but maybe a lower floor. And I, I think yeah. that's, pro- that's that's probably the right that's way of, actually, yeah. of, of putting it. And I think if if you look at where he's at, um, I think there are a few aspects to it. There's, there's, there's maybe a cultural aspect to it as, as, as well, that he gets to go and play in a Muslim country. Certainly, like the Moroccan national team, if he wants to play for them rather than England, and I'm, sh- I'm sure he'd super excited about what they did in the world cup yeah, yeah his options open so far i think culturally maybe that will be a nice fit for for him and his family and you, you talk about like going to europe well like you know you're not gonna i, I think bolton to the premier league is still an absolutely humongous leap. Yeah, to Mars jump, or, jump. Or, to, or to like continental europe is a is, is a massive leap whereas i think if you go and play well in in Qatar, you grow it over a number of years while you're making an absolute fortune, by the way. And I'm not, not talking about this from a moral perspective or any of that. You know, that's that's for people to make their own minds up on. Yes. But in, in terms of football and football progression, as, as you were talking about, Danny, I think you look at it, you have a couple of good years in the Qatari Stars League. And bear in mind that the ex-technical director of PSG is the technical director of the league. So clubs in France will be having a look at you. Um, clubs in North Africa will be looking at you. Clubs in Egypt, for example, who who pay well. Clubs in Turkey will be looking at you. I think it opens up a whole world that staying in the EFL wouldn't. Yeah, and, and I was just looking there. They 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 do play in the what what they call the like Champions League out there as well. Asian like Champions to, League, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So that that would put his profile up there if he does well in that. Yeah. They finish third. Their their manager is uh you'll probably know him, uh and Tintin Mar Marquez that used to play for uh Espanol or manage Espanol. Mm. Uh so I don't know if that it, it depends on how his attitude is when he's he's out there because he gets away with it at Wimbledon. It it, it does depend when they when players leave. You kind of get a little bit of leeway when playing for Wimbledon that you can yeah. be, as you said, petulance and stuff like that. He might not be able to get away with getting 10 bookings and missing games, big no. games out in Qatar because it does mean a lot if they're finishing third. They want to win the league. They want to do well in the, the, the Champions League and stuff like that. He might not be able to get away with it. And, and as you said, he might the cultural side of it, it might be good for his family and stuff. But he is a, a lad that was born in in London. He was True. brought up in 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 Quid in that way. It's, it is if he can if he can, and I I think he will, uh, and I think we might see him again. But I, I just don't know where after. Go on, Dan. And uh, the only question I was: Was it a good deal for us? Do you think? In terms of the fact of yes, yes it's a million pound, um, which which we think is the rumored amount. Now we don't know the ins and outs of it, but. That, that for me that sounds about right in terms of yeah, the amount of money that he's on. I can't I think. I think one and a half would have been the absolute ceiling, and I think, I think getting him as our first sort of million pound footballer coming in for me it it 
I kind of feel that we got, I don't know anything inside and outs, but a million pound up front, I feel was probably right. That's, that's the one for me, Danny, is it's rumoured between one and 1. 1.4 million that we're getting. But for me, it's with Qatar money is that they should be able to afford to pay that up front. Where mm. if we were doing business with, say, a Bolton, that would probably be installments. And we wouldn't be receiving that money straight away. We'd be getting, say, that I think they were only willing to pay about half a million to 800 grand for him. And we'd probably get 100 grand here, 100 grand there, where we are should be getting at least a million straight off the bat, which is huge business for, again, a young kid that came for our youth ranks. That when you first saw the professional photo of him when he signed his professional contract, we said there's no way this kid's going to make it if he looks like that in four or yeah. five years' time. And lucky enough, he built out and he, he's done amazing. But we've just got a million pounds for a player that we got for nothing. And as long as we reinvest that well, I know we've, we've got debt to pay. That will go. Some of that will go to the debt. But if we can get some of that into our first team, we could pick up two players. We're not going to do that in January. You ain't going to replace a sale in January. I think most people need to be realistic to that. But in the summer... If we've got Craig Cope and, 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 and Jackson looking at players now, mm. then we could get someone in that could do do good business for us and we could then move on for more money in the future. So in terms of the Assal money, I mean, Leah alluded to it earlier, and I'd be wondering what you think, Andy. We've got the million pounds for Assal. You know where we are in the league and where we're sitting. Obviously, we, we've lost a lot of loan players. Mm. Just curious from your angle, would you would you want to use that money to invest in the squad this year and have a punt? And think, do you know what? We're closer to the, to the playoffs we ever go. Would you be thinking, do you know what? Let's keep the money. Let's consolidate where we are. And like Lee said, almost look at the older players and have a punt next year. I don't really feel like we can do both. I feel like we either have a punt this year and we use the money and we really go for it. Or we sit back, we hold tight and we go go again. I'm just curious, what, what would you do if you were Johnny Jackson? Well, Danny, it's easier to buy players in summer. I don't think there's any two ways about that. Um, yeah. You know, we we've we are not the only club who's made shit signings in January. <laughs> but the the, the the January market is is based around clubs being over a barrel, basically, isn't it? You know that that or, or players being over a barrel if they that they they really want to play. Um, obviously, the Sam Cosgrove move is the obvious. Um, one in, in 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 terms of that but as we said not not the only one Drew I mean, Brown, of, yeah 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 i mean in, <laughs> in, in terms of in terms of where i'd actually like us to spend the money um i feel because we have got lots of good young players that that, that need to be encouraged i don't think we need to throw the bag at it now I, I also i think bearing in mind the budgets of some of the other clubs i'm looking at like stockport yeah. Is it re is it really going to make enough of a difference? No, I, I, th I, I think we have to play smart, especially as we're stabilising after what happened last season, especially, as Lee said, as we're bedding in a new recruitment team. And the sort of players I would like to see us going for, as we're producing a lot of quality young players, um, I would like to see us go for that sort of, you know, not too young, not too old sort of player. So I think Davison and Pell, for example, perfect. I could live without more Gunters and Pierces. The, the, the plus being that they're on one years rather than three yeah. years, like when we got Crazy Appia, for example. <laughs> so you're off like prime time footballers, aren't you? Really, like where are they at? I want them where they are. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think I think that's really, really important. I think old players can become a bit of a drain, but you do, do need that sort of experience to guide through the 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 young players we had. I mean, Pell has been like 
pretty much faultless, I, w- I would say, so far. I mean, obviously, he's got his limits as a footballer. They, they, yeah. they, they all do at this level. But I think the role that he's assumed has been, like, super important. If we get to a point as well in a couple of years where, like, you know, Callum Bailly, for example, evolves into that sort of footballer, which, which he looks like he's doing to me. He looks yeah. like he could re- really become a cornerstone of this team. Obviously, got to 100 appearances quite quite recently. You know, if if we can get the right experienced players that are actually ours, like Davison and Pell, and the, the young players, it means we're not so beholden to to to, to loans. And I, yeah. you know, I don't have a big problem with them not being our players or anything like that. You know, I loved Ramsdale, I, I love Force, I love Riley Towler. Riley Towler going absolutely mm. broke my heart, by the way. Yeah, but I I just think that it it does tend to be. A, a, a bit scattergun with loans, especially with us, because we're not at the front of the queue. You know, we're, we're not big enough to be... And once front. you're in League Two, as you know, the moment if you have a really good season, they're going to pack you off and send you up one. And they, if you... If yeah, you halfway through season, that season, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like I said, yeah. if you if you have a bad season, then you ruin the opportunity of of of, of dealing with... And obviously, we've we've had Brentford, Leon, where we've been working a lot with Brentford. And well, we've had that, loads of great players. And now, I don't know where we're at. That's the that's the question I was going to have for you two. What... what What's our relationship with Brentford that now, considering I know players come and go and we shouldn't look at loan players, but with Paris coming in and then saying all the stuff he did at the start of the season, the stuff when he left, and now he's signed for the club up the road. Do we do we have that same relationship with Brentford now where we, you know what I mean? It seems like they've kind of done a number on us, but then his brother is coaching there as well now. I, I, I was fuming the other day more with, so with Brentford than with Paris because Paris didn't really do much. I didn't think he was that good. I mean, if you think about in the last like X amount of years, the amount of guys who have been to Brentford and none of them have seen the season out. Presley didn't see the season out. Fours didn't see the season out. Madsen, Madsek, what was it? Um, Beck Sorensen. I know that was a COVID year, but he didn't see the season out. I think uh, the only one who's seen Ox, the season out Ox was Oxenham, wasn't it? No, he didn't and see he, it out either. He didn't see it either. I mean, no. again, he just, I feel like, and again, the Magoma one was a weird one because he started like an absolute rocket and we thought this boy is going to be serious. And I think he will be a good player in the future. I just feel like the, the change in the way that we played rather than, and again, Andy touched on it, you've got the experienced guys who, frankly, I think lead to, you don't necessarily get out of it with quality. You get out with people who know how to play in that in that league you don't yeah. get out playing great football in league two i don't find but what what's interesting from the brentford point of view is we've picked up a load of very good young players and for some reason and i said to you Lee, it's like we got to the point where losing all of our best loan players is that is that us is that good or bad i mean i don't know if you've lost all of our loan players nathan young coombs has gone back we lost magoma we've lost huddling it's like is that good for us? Is it because we've actually done a really good job and these players have gone, or is it bad because we're not we're not picking the right ones or or we're not uh, treating them well? I, I think the last two clauses in that, Danny, are, are quite interesting because I think there, there there are a couple. I mean, Huddersfield were clearly not happy with the fact that Huddleston wasn't playing more. But did he deserve to play more? I, I don't really think he did. He must did... have been just a kicker for the Radoni deal, surely. I, I mean, I mean. Yeah, I mean that 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 was that was clearly attached. I can understand why you would want to take a punt on Huddling and see how we would do it at League Two, and I think it kind of worked out all right for us. We 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 give him a little go. Um, there, there were moments. There were a lot of non moments. Uh, I, I think it's is is fair to say, but I think really, um, a lot of those recalls have to do with the fact that we're just producing good players now, and we would rather play 
ours that we're going to work with over a, a number of years. And frankly, a better, I think, in, in the case of Billa and, and, and Curry, for example, um, than, than giving other players, uh, giving, giving other clubs players a go. But did I mean, did I mean, we I mean, let those players go, Andy, or were they taken from us? That's the kind of, you're right, we want to play our our younger player, but we didn't decide to play Bendel or play somebody else over Magoma. That was no. taken that was taken away. So it's yeah. just a question of whether we've decided, you know what, moving forward in the season, we're thinking of going this way. I don't know. I guess the problem for me, and again, I don't know where anyone sits, I don't know whether we've lost the cards or whether we've chucked them away, if that makes sense. I think I think there's a, there's a bit of both there because I think part of it, obviously Brentford haven't been super happy with how it's gone for those guys and i think you know as, as you were saying earlier Lee, not a lot of them have succeeded really those those players we've got from brentford i mean it's, it's good to have that relationship but if we're just taking players that aren't really going to make an impact for us i mean too many more presleys and you you'd never really want to borrow a no, player off no, of them again. again would you so I, I think it's i think it's quite difficult the problem is nowadays and mark robinson alluded to it actually and you know whatever people thought of how it ended up with Robbo he did an enormous amount for the club yeah in terms of development I, I can't think of many better coaches I think what he did is make us aware of the fact that if you're gonna be able to borrow players from Premier League clubs or or championship clubs nowadays you need to present them with a total plan how are you going to use them are you going to meet the amount of minutes that they they need are you going to look after them properly and the fact is at some point i don't think it's our fault i don't think it's the loaning club's fault but their interests and our interests are going to and the players interests are going to diverge and for that reason at some point you are going to lose some of those players and mm. that's just how it happens and we just have to take it on the chin if we're going to borrow players no, I agree. And I think, because we, we, I was having a conversation, we were talking about my mate earlier who come up with the Paul Callum Bay song. He said this is probably the worst window, worse than last January. And I, I disagree with it. I know we're losing the sound. We lost Towler, mm. which are the two biggest losses that we've had during the January window. But we've also sent back some loans or they've been recalled. But we've also bought Ali in, who's our own player now on a two and a half year deal, which is mm. huge. We've bought Little in, who could be released by Forest Green if he does well. We could sign him or, do you know what I mean? He's going to want to do well because he goes back to Forest Green next year. They're in League Two. They know he can play that level. So it's win-win for everyone. Mm. I just, yeah, I think that this year in January, other than the new signing we've just made, who doesn't look great on paper, but then nor did Lyle Taylor, nor did uh, Elliot. No. No, we've got to we've got to look at it and think. Right, we've got a permanent signing out of it. We're still going to make another signing to come. I believe. I think it's a good window if we can get Josh Davison and Ali playing well together up front. Mm. We just need to now replace the sale, which I don't think we we were ever doing that January. So it's an interesting one. I mean, like I said, I, I guess before the before the window came up, we we, we said a certain number of players, and that's without losing a lot of players. The the one that's always curious to me though is NYC. And the fact that he he started well, I felt that he was a little bit unfit and he was coming back into it. But to lose him, I'm not sure it's a deal breaker as such. Because like Andy said, I think we've got other players in those positions who who can do it. But I just thought it was fascinating that what you know it, that was him Magoma. Magoma, you could kind of see it, but he was NYC was completely out of the blue. I never saw it coming at all. And I guess it is just a we'll we'll see where the clubs at and where our finances are as to whether we wanna we wanna take a, a punt. And have a go, but I think Andy's right. I think unless there's a for me, unless there's a permanent player who will 
who would stick around like like we had Lee Brown. I know Lee Brown's not been particularly brilliant for us at late, let's be honest. Mm. But I think the fact of an older guy or a player who is running out of their contract who goes, do you know what, I fancy joining and being with you for 18 months, mm. I, I wouldn't personally be chucking too much money. But then again, you know what these Premier League teams are like. They'll chuck players for free and go, look, just give him some game time. We're just wanting to get out into a new environment. I've got no problem with taking somebody, but I don't want it to cost us anything. No, I agree. I hate it when we agree. It's really annoying. <laughs> right. So in terms of the only things we've got to chat about now is Stockport, obviously. Stockers. Stockport yeah. home. Big game of the big game of the whole year. Um Yeah. Over to you, Lee. Yeah, I did. And are you are you go because I know you said you had to go pretty sharpish or you're okay to stay for two more minutes to talk about Stockport. Yeah, two more minutes is cool, yeah. Right, yeah, Andy, so... over to you, Stockport. Go. Talk to me. Um well, I'm expecting them to finish in the playoffs, certainly. So it's, it's 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 going to be tough. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The problem is the last live game I went to was Orient at home. So oh, in that my was great that night. in my mind, it was incredible. Yeah, like night. like like the atmosphere, the guts with which the team played, all of all of it was 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 brilliant. But obviously, because of that, I, I still have it in my mind that we are. Pep's Barcelona, or uh, at least <laughs> at least Harry Bassett's Wimbledon. So um, maybe I've got a slightly inflated view of our abilities at the moment. Honestly, I, I, I can't wait for this month to be over. Not just because of the postponements, but to get the window shut, to get the squad settled, to get to a point where we're at least building towards what will look like a good team next season, and knowing in the summer what we need to maybe have a go for promotion next year. I, I I feel that's the realistic way of looking at it. But, you know, bearing in mind what we're saying about that Orient game and what you were saying earlier about, Lee, about um, getting everyone in for a fiver, you know, this could be, I think, one of those games where, you know, there's there's a really great atmosphere there. Yeah. And you know that 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 plow lane will really take off. And you know, we've been we've been lucky because, you know, there were people who were saying, "Oh, we we won't fill the ground when it, when it when it was built." Well, that's proved to be nonsense. We've we've yep. filled it pretty consistently. You feel like the local community um, have embraced or re-embraced Wimbledon, embraced Wimbledon like never before. Like not like when 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 we even had top flight football there. To be honest, at, at the no, old canal lane, you know, it it feels as if. Um, local people have become quite attached to Wimbledon. And I think this is another step in, in in that direction. I mean, unfortunately, I won't be there, but... Oh, typical. You're probably somewhere romantic, aren't you? You're taking the wife to Geneva to watch a local derby or the old classic in Paraguay. You know what? You are. Post- postponements for me mean more midweek games, mean I'm in London, mean I've got more of a chance going. So it's it's like last January when all the games got COVIDed off uh, at the end of twenty twenty one. I mean, when we had midweek, midweek, midweek in January, I absolutely loved it. I mean, obviously we didn't win any of those games. We didn't often. <laughs> look, no, that was fantastic. We didn't, we didn't often look like winning <laughs> any of any of them, but I, I I really enjoyed that anyway. I think I think you're right with regards to the atmosphere on Saturday because the five pound Stockport are going to fill their end. They'll they'll bring a load of fans yeah. down. Uh, Stockport are a decent side. I think the postponements might help us. Not playing Newport, that would have been a tough game on their pitch. Uh, Walsall was going to. I, I I would have liked the Walsall game to take part because they've got Leicester in the FA Cup on Saturday, and 
I think a lot of 50-50s, they would have been getting out of them because they don't want to get injured. Uh, Pell would have been in his element against them, and I think we could have done them. But it means that Johnny Jackson's had this team and the, the, the players that we bought in for longer. We've been training at, I think, Elmbridge. I, I didn't even know that existed until the yeah. other day when they mentioned that's, that's it. That's Walton Hersham. Walton Hersham, yeah. I yeah. noticed uh, the old days when we had to beat them, and they, we, we went down <laughs> there and they beat us 4-0 when we were going to win the league. I've got a boat down there. But... And they, uh, <laughs> And they, they, well, uh, I remember that game. I, do you remember? I, when, yeah, my team four lost nil. 4 0 as well, and I didn't get a boat. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. but yeah, and uh, yeah, so we've been able to train. I, it's gonna, it's gonna be a very tough game. We've got a very tough schedule coming up with Stockport and, and Orient. I'm gonna go to the, I'm going to the pubs in Orient and hoping I can pick up a ticket on the day because, uh, if anyone has two tickets, please let me know. Because you imagine there's a tickets out for Wimbledon late in Orient. We've made it, haven't we? We've <laughs> absolutely made it. There's you literally what... hardly any tickets for Saturday either. Now you can't. It's all single tickets for Saturday against Stockport. You, you know what the hack is, um, fellas, for uh, late in Orient away. You know you can Airbnb the apartments that are in the corner. Okay. I mean, they, yeah, that they they actually. Oh, Lee, um, I'm I'm seeing us there doing it, doing the pod live on the game. That is sensational. They, they, they actually, they actually, um, uh, Barry Hearn used to own a load of them. Yeah. He would he would house the loan players in there, but now you can Airbnb a few of them. I'll go have a look because I know there's loads of people about tickets, but yeah, we could that could be a. I'm gonna have a look at that. Cheers. Are you, are you, are you, are you gonna rent and sublet? <laughs> yeah. Charge charge people a fiver to get in. Yeah, <laughs> start the empire. But uh, no, no that, 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 okay. don't don't do that. Don't do no, that. don't worry. We'll be doing it. <laughs> but no, well, thanks for thanks for coming on, Andy. I know you're you're super busy being a big shot, and it's nice to see that <laughs> you know me and Lee are giving you know a young kid from up north a chance to get on on local <laughs> radio, isn't it, Lee? I mean, it's I'll never forget you guys. Hey, hey, don't forget us on the way up, Andy. <laughs> thanks Andy. so much. Thanks so much for having me. No, thanks very Thank much you, for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, you guys. Thank you. So in terms of the firstly, what a great bloke, Lee! Ah, brilliant! I like mate. I, I listen to him all the time on Talksport. Uh, I see him on BT as well. Uh, he does another podcast. What's it called? Uh, where is it? We've got what some is... punchy. We've got some punchy Wimbledon fans, by the way. And if you're out there and you're even remotely famous, get in touch. Let's have you on. Well, we had Jonathan, Jonathan from the states, who does radio, and then he, yeah, he's on the Football Ramble podcast. Uh, check it out. It's a it's a decent podcast. It's just interesting, you know, the things that he was talking about, and obviously with his experience in Europe and stuff, it's quite. I like, I like some of his takes, particularly on the the guitar in the Saudi league. And obviously, I think the big, the big, the big thing for me, which I thought was fascinating, is about whether this Saudi deal is going to be worth it for him in the long term. But um, anyway, we we were talking about Stockport. So Stockport, it's going to be I, with the breaks. It's always a bit weird, isn't it? Because you always feel like you've got like the break is going to benefit you. But do you think it has? Or do you, I mean, we haven't got anyone who's particularly. Injured. It didn't. It didn't help last year when we were in League One and we had that huge break. Remember, we come back and then we didn't win a game again for what years. But I, I think this one could help because we, as I said, we're training at a decent facility. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which I didn't. As I said, I didn't even know existed until the other day. Then they said I thought we'd be training at Car Shorten. Uh, so that's good that we've been able to train. The new players, Little Ali and all them, have now been able to bed in. Do you know what I mean? Get some yeah. of their their uh, personality on our team and stuff. And do you know what I mean? So it, the problem is we're playing Stockport is going to be one of the toughest tests that we yeah. face. They're a very good side. I don't know who they've bought in or if they've bought in anyone, but 
Yeah, Ali Madden time. always finds a way to score against us as well. I don't know if you noticed that. Like every time we play him, is he is he playing for them now? Yeah, he plays for Stockport. Yeah, he, we was at Fleetwood. Well, he was the he? last time I remember. So in terms of with all the new players in, obviously we've got loads of newbies. How are you lining up, mate? What are you thinking? The back four, I think, probably pretty much at the moment picks itself, doesn't it? In terms of Villa, Curry, um, Callumby, and Pierce, I think that kind of picks itself. And then as we go forward, it comes a bit more murky. But what what would you do? Uh, are you playing? You're playing Woodjar plus one, are you? And who's that one going to be? Probably. I'm playing. Who am I playing? You don't. You're going to play Marsh. You can play Little. Bendel's obviously not around. I think we go. I think we go Little. Try and push Pell up. I think he'll go Chislet. It's tough. I think, I think he'll yeah, go four, two, three, one. Yeah. I think, I think Little and Woodjar to be the two. Uh, who is it? One wing. Do you reckon he'll start the new lad? Well, I thought Pearson was decent. I, I think it'll go Pearson, Wing, Chislet one, and then Pell, and then Davison up front on his own. But then you've got to try I and I thought get Hamadi early. played really well the other day. I know it was nil-nil, but he came on and gave a lot of energy. I I wonder whether or not they might they might go with might go with two up top. They might do like a four, like two wide, two up front, two sitting, and maybe Pell sitting with Woodyard. They might go Chislet one side, Pearson the other, and then the two lads up front. But I wouldn't be surprised if they if they put little in, I didn't see, wasn't overly bothered about Marsh. I think he's got, it's going to be an interesting last week for him. Cause I think I wouldn't be overly surprised if Marsh drifted, if that makes sense. Um, and he was an, he was probably someone in the coal, but in terms of form, Stockport, I always feel I'm always a bit concerned about Stockport because I feel like they're going to be one of them teams that really come on a charge and they're kind of the 10th. Now in the last five league games, they've won four, lost one. Um, so it's kind of that we're, we're kind of middling form, having had really good form. But again, I guess we're, we're one, we're basically one game away from from being right on top of the playoffs with a push. So it, 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 what are you thinking? What are you happy with in the weekend? Well, just a game to take place, probably, I, isn't I, it? Well, I think it will, because I said it is getting warmer. Uh... Walsall probably could have happened. I don't blame them for calling it off when they did because I said yeah. Newport, a lot of people got up there and, and, and wasted their time and money. Uh, I take a draw right now. Stockport yeah. is, I think, up there with Stevenage at the moment is one of the toughest ties you can have. Stevenage won again yesterday, didn't they? Yeah, well, they, they beat all 3-0. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. He's so, so annoying, Steve, uh, Steve Evans, isn't he? Mm. Can't stand the blade, but he's actually really good at managing, which is annoying. He does do very well. Yeah, I think I think a draw a draw is fair. And do we want to briefly just touch on the new signing potentially? Uh, sorry, go ahead. You're just not listening to me at all. Eh? No, this I was looking at I'm Airbnb and I'm looking at Airbnb, <laughs> mate, for the game on Saturday. I think yeah, I found bit. one. But yeah. I was just saying, do we touch on the the almost certain new signing, Sido Jene? Uh, I I was a bit underwhelmed, to be yeah. fair. You look at his CV, you look at what he's done. He ain't done a lot. He scored all his goals for Torquay in the Conference South, which we were saying is... is that really? What? Yeah, so oh. he hasn't... He scored, what, one, one, two goals in three years? Uh, Cambridge fans didn't really rate him, but they said he didn't really get much game time. But then, as I said before, Lyle Taylor, uh, Elliot, if you if you talk to Cambridge fans about Tom Elliot before we signed him, uh, yeah. they said he was horrendous. He was one of our best players when he came to Wimbledon. So uh, I take him on paper, see what he's like. We we raved about some of our loan players last year and they were awful. So let's see what he's like on the pitch first, if he'll get us on. I think he's replacement for Courtney Senior. 
Uh, oh dear. Yeah, I think Courtney Hassini will be gone by the end of the month. I think he he's still trained with the team, which is fun, but I think yeah he'll be gone as well. But yeah, we'll see. Any any other signings do you reckon we need to make? I think it was interesting losing NYC because I feel like it, that is quite a heavily populated area now. And with Hamadi, with Davison, with Robinson and with um, this new guy who I believe is a forward-minded player, I'd be very surprised if he brings in another attacking forward if he's doing it. For me, the glaring space now is a holding midfielder. I feel like if you're going to... Marsh is... Mm, Woodyard's decent. Bendel's gone out on loan, which was exactly what we needed. Thank God for that. And going to Eastbourne, which we kind of know, done a good job with Jack Curry. I think that's a great move for him. I feel like we just need another player to play next to Woodyard. But I'm gonna, uh, I'll say exactly what I said before. For me, I'm not bringing it unless someone is giving it, giving us a player for free. I'm not, I'm not bringing anyone in unless we can definitely, definitely get them as a permanent. I'd like to see a defensive midfielder come in. That could possibly, as I said, a Riley Taylor could go centre back if needed. Uh, but yeah, I, I, well, I think the window's done. But yeah, you think we're done now? I, I think we'll bring in one more. I think it'll be a centre back. I think we're going to bring in, uh, which I don't think we need with Will coming back. I just, yeah. I think we need a defensive midfielder really to go in next to Woodyard. Marsh unfortunately hasn't cut it, but he'll right. be good to have on the bench. And yeah, that's pretty much. What do you reckon? What's your predictions? <clears throat> I'm gonna go for um we've been really we've been really good defensively, but I feel like they're a touch above. So I'm gonna say that we will be the second best team, but we'll get a one one. I think Stockport are gonna be on the charge now. I think they're gonna come right the way through and I think they'll get in the playoffs and then some. I think the top three are pretty much well Leighton Orient are well gone. So I I, I can't see us even remotely anyone getting anywhere near Leighton Orient really. So I feel like Leighton Orient are gonna go and do one and we're not gonna see them again in a hurry. Um and I think Stevenage are gonna still do the same and I think that after that it's gonna get congested because like I said, I just I feel like there's gonna be enough energy in Stockport to go forward. So yep, yeah, I'm gonna go for Stockport will be better than us, but we'll get a 1-1. No, I agree. All right. Yeah, thanks for chatting. Okay. Since Fair your enough. mate's gone, by the way, you've been rubbish. Like, literally, you've almost, you've just completely ditched me for your sort of celebrity, mate. And this is a joke. And I'm not putting up this next week. I, I do, I do apologise. No, 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 you don't apologise. You've been, I'll, you've been, when oh, my mate Andy. Oh, he's great. Mate, I was you shaved really your nervous beard. You're trying to look just good. like him. He's very good. I haven't shaved my beard. I've got a still full beard going on me. Yeah. Got my flat cap on. Your heart's not in it. Looking the nuts. Right. Well, thank you very much, Danny. Thanks very much, Andy, for joining us. What a guest. Probably the best one so far. That is to put some noses out of joint. Go on, you dons. You dons. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Wombles Dream and on Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Get involved. By the fans, for the fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.